Dark water slapped against the rowboat as it drifted on Cayuga Lake, a mile out from Ithaca. It was early in the afternoon and the sky over upstate New York was clear. Far in the distance, on top of East Hill, a soaring clock tower that today is called McGraw Tower marked the location of Cornell University for anyone on the lake. From the observation deck near the top of the 173-foot spire could be seen Stimson Hall, the new medical school building and, of late, a makeshift hospital that was the scene of student suffering and death just a few weeks before. A little closer was Sage Chapel, where angry young men and women, betrayed by their elders, had met to demand action against the typhoid epidemic. Finally could be seen the home of embattled Ithaca Daily News publisher and Cornell oratory professor Duncan Campbell Lee, who had done his best to save the school and the town and that of Andrew Dixon White, the elderly and distinguished co-founder and first president of the university. It is doubtful anyone, even in the tower, saw the fly speck that was the empty rowboat in the middle of the magnificent lake, unless they had binoculars or extremely keen vision. Yet the boat and the university were inextricably linked that day by events born out of reckless ambition and criminal stupidity, a combination that has brought so much sorrow to the world. At Cornell, it was class day of graduation week, but the students who gathered outside of former President White's home had more than diplomas on their minds. All were survivors of the typhoid epidemic that had ravaged Ithaca during the first four months of 1903. The gravediggers had been busy. At least 82 people died, including 29 Cornell students. Another 1,350 or so Ithaca residents, including more than 381 Cornell students, contracted typhoid but survived. The exact total will likely never be known thanks to poor record-keeping. Many young people in Ithaca suffered horribly, left exhausted and awash in medical bills that could be as much as $500, nearly a year's wages for a working man in 1903, a stiff price even for the middle class. White had been the U.S. ambassador to Germany until late in November 1902, when he tendered his resignation to President Theodore Roosevelt. The last 18 months of his tenure were full of sorrow. His only son, Frederick, after a lifetime of medical problems growing out of his own bout with typhoid as a Columbia University student years earlier, committed suicide in July 1901. The same month, his only daughter, Clara Newberry, split from her philandering husband in an ugly, very public divorce. After leaving Berlin, White traveled to his villa in Alasio on the Italian Riviera between Nice and Genoa, and was there during the Ithaca epidemic. As a result, he probably saw little of the extensive local and national press coverage. The current Cornell president, Jacob Gold Sherman, and the chairman of the university's board of trustees, Samuel D. Halliday, had written to him with some of the details of the epidemic, as had his daughter and grandson. It was the press coverage and the public anger it reflected that had nearly killed Cornell. With only a touch of hyperbole, journalists had portrayed Ithaca as a charnel house. 
They raised pointed questions about the links between Cornell University and William T. Morris, who had purchased Ithaca Waterworks in 1901. Water provided by the company had become contaminated with typhoid germs that past January, but White had been in Italy and so did not fully comprehend the shock in America that such a terrible epidemic could happen in a place like Ithaca, which had one of the country's leading universities and more physicians per capita than any other municipality in New York.